Welcome to the New Abbey Podcast. We are still in our series in Deuteronomy. Today we will be talking about butterflies. Before we get started, my question for you all is, are you addicted to your phone? series in Deuteronomy. Uh, we are still in the book of Deuteronomy and we're going to talk a little bit about uh, maturity with regards to how we experience the world that is brand new to everyone. We are living in this age of information and technology that's just been different. Um, so we're going to figure out some of that. We're going to have a conversation in Deuteronomy 30. It goes like this. Now, what I am commanding you today, what I am commanding you today is not too difficult or beyond your reach. It is not up in heaven so that you have to ask, who will ascend into heaven and get it and proclaim it to us so that we may obey it? Nor is it beyond the sea so that you have to ask, who will cross the sea to get it and proclaim it so that we may obey it? No, the word is very near to you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so that you may obey it. See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. So we're here in Deuteronomy. We've gone through this entire journey of the Israelites being freed from this oppression in Egypt, wandering in the desert, entering the promised land, trying to get like this list of rules and laws and things and how to interact with the promised land. And then we get to this passage where it's like saying, okay, here's the real, like the real deal is that no one is going to come from outside in the sky and no one is going to come from across the sea and no one is going to come and give you all these answers. To understand what it looks like to live in this promised land, to choose life and prosperity means looking inside. This thing is in you, which is what we talk about all the time in here, right? That Christ is in all of us. And what does it mean to trust that and search that and seek that in a different way than someone just standing on a stage with a microphone on three points that apply to your life on how to be better, right? Isn't that wild that it like mirrors exactly like what a lot of us grew up in, right? Of Okay, this person came from uh, uh, MDiv. This person has an MDiv. This person went to seminary. This person came from over here. This person, they must have the answer. And it's like, no, they don't have the answer. The answer is inside of you. That's the thing that you need to search. If you want to choose life and prosperity, you're going to need to do that right? So let's talk about phones. Natural transition. So uh, Sammy, my wife and I had started to feel like maybe our phones were, I'm not even exaggerating, like taking over our entire life, <laughs> okay? Like at one point, at one night, we were on the couch sitting there and we had been sitting on the couch for like a couple hours. And I don't even know if we'd said anything to each other. And I don't even know how she, deep she was, like, on an Instagram trail. But I had a friend from high school's boyfriend's sister who was training a puppy that I watched, like, I mean, 72 weeks ago, watching her start to train this puppy. And then I'm circling back to watching that dog do tricks. It's how I spent, like, hours of my life, right? I'm sure that's going to be really helpful for me. <clears throat> And so we had like many moments like that where we're just like, what are we, what are we doing, right? Where are we? Like, what time is it? What day is it? Um, and then feeling like, just starting to feel anxiety as if like any time my phone lit up, I was like, like, 
what is it? Who is it? I have to respond. I have to call. I have to text back. Was it? Was it like? Did Trump tweet something? Is my mom calling? Did my cousin like? You know what I mean? Like all these things. And so, we were like, let's do uh, a week with no phones, right? Um, so it started as a week of no social media. But then I was like, I don't trust myself. <laughs> if I <laughs> if I'm holding this thing, I know it's gonna happen. Um, so we're like, let's do no phones. Which like pseudo no phones because then we realized we got in the car. We don't know how to get anywhere. So. <laughs> Like, okay, okay, no phones, just Google Maps. <laughs> it evolved, but like we were trying mostly no phones. So then I realized like very quickly how often I just go to my phone in like any kind of potentially uncomfortable setting. So I went to therapy this week and my therapist has like is in an office with other therapists and so there's a waiting room and everyone in your you're in the waiting room you're waiting you're in the therapy like that's the only thing that happens there so usually everyone's just on their phones because like there's a couch and then there's chairs and they're facing each other right so everyone, and so there's like three people on the couch on their phone and I'm just sitting there like <laughs> do I do I say something <laughs> they like obviously don't want to talk though there's really almost nothing on the wall so I'm just like <laughs> I'm like, what's the move here? I don't even know how to like, I'm in line at Trader Joe's just like, hey, like, there's, like, it's so awkward. And I was like, this is bad. Like we've gotten, it's gotten really bad. Um, <clears throat> and then later in the week, I was on a friend's podcast and we were going to talk about race. And Sammy was like, do you think you need to check up on like current events and maybe see like things happen? What if she brings up something and you don't, you never heard of it, you know? And I'm like, I just, it was, it was a moment where I was like, you know, what's fascinating is like, I haven't, we haven't been on the internet for a week, but I guarantee you something racist happened in that week. Like I don't need my phone. I don't know the specifics of it, but I'm sure it happened. Right. So like if I'm on this podcast, she says, what do you think about X? I'm like, I'm sure it doesn't surprise me that it happened. Do I need to know about every single thing? I'm not sure. Right? And so it started to unpack these layers of like, why do I feel so attached to, to like knowing all of this? Or like, what is, what is this, right? And so early on in the week, I had a call with a spiritual director. And I was like, okay, I'm doing no phone, so I'm gonna talk to my spiritual director. And he's probably gonna give me some like breathing exercises to just like make this week even more enjoyable. And I'm gonna be so present and it's gonna be so fun. This is how I think everything's gonna go because I'm a seven. So I'm like, I bet this therapy session is gonna be so fun. And then I leave and I'm like, oh man. Um, <clears throat> every time I think I'm gonna have fun, <laughs> it's never fun. While <laughs> we so I like walking in the door, like this is the time. <laughs> it's not. <clears throat> so I have this call and I'm like, hey, we're like offline this week and we're doing all this. And so he's like, let's talk about fear. I was like, oh. <laughs> All right. So we get in this conversation about fear, which felt confusing given what I had just told him about not being on my phone, right? And so we start to talk about fear, and he starts to pull on a lot of threads that got me to a place of realizing that I still have a little bit of residual fear from coming out, right? Um, and that residual fear is keeping me from evolving into the next evolutionary jump that I want to be the next level of maturity, the next version of like who I am, moving forward into that is stunted by this fear. Because coming out was the best thing I ever did and it was so freeing and it was so great and it was so wonderful, but it came at a big cost. 
And it came at a big cost not only for me, but it came at a big cost for the people around me. One thing I have such a hard time reconciling, which I talk to Abby, my therapist, a lot, is the cost that it like, came at for my parents. Um, they describe it as this like, beautiful gift where their eyes were opened and like, they're so sweet and they're so gracious, but I've watched it cost them. They've lost friendships and community and opportunities and relationships, and that's incredibly painful for me. To know that my evolution, my growth, my, my journey, my thing is costing the people around me. And it's something that I'm very scared of that I didn't even realize how afraid of it I was. That each new theological like turn I take, that each expansion of the way I see the world, that each whatever, whatever, whatever is costing me and people around it, people around me, right? And so we get in this conversation about fear, <clears throat> and I'm like, this is fine, but what does this have anything to do with I want to talk about being off my phone, you know? Um, and so then we started to make connections of the ability we have in 2019 to completely numb ourselves, but in what seems like might be a productive way, right? Which is the best part. There's a part of me that realized that it can be easy to be more obsessed with being up to date than it is like to be, than to be effective, right? We want to be more up to date than we want to be effective, right? So this idea of staying awake is what came out in the spiritual direction call. How do I stay present? How do I stay awake? How do I, how do I live? How do I bring life and prosperity into where I am now? How do I evolve? How do I grow? How do I change? How do I be present with the things that are really happening in myself? And the cheap version of that into 2019 is to stay completely up to date on everything political, social, justice, whatever, and convince yourself that you're being awake, but you're just numbing yourself out from your own growth and your own pain and your own evolution. Because again, like this passage said, is no one else is going to bring it to you. You want to figure out your role in bringing life and prosperity into this world now, then you need to do that work. And the easiest way to not do that work is to focus on the work that everyone else has to do. And that's the easiest thing to do in 2019, right? I could go on Twitter right now and tell 50 people exactly how they got it wrong, right? <laughs> Meanwhile, I don't have to deal with anything. And again, I say this all the time in here. Our own growth, our own healing, the things that we search for ourselves are not just so we can be happier people. It is because they are inextricably tied to one another. My healing is tied to your healing. Our healing is tied to our healing. This healing is tied to the healing of the world. So it's a very clear line, right? You have life and prosperity. You have death and destruction. You have these choices to make. This kingdom, this reality, this gospel, this good news is trying to bring life and prosperity into a place that is experiencing death and destruction. And that is not going to come if we don't look for the Christ inside of ourselves, figure out what that divinity, what that spirit, what that energy, whatever you want to call it, is calling us to do in our circles, in our relationships, in our lives, the ripples that we need to make to bring that. And the easiest way to numb out is to convince ourselves that we are being active when we are not. We're not awake. We're just taking in information so we don't have to deal with our own pain. That's very different, right? There's, um, it's so hard to think about costing other people or like shaking up the system or making those ripples, right? 
Like, have you ever, if you're in this room, the answer is probably yes. Um, have you evolved to a place theologically and then like gone home for Thanksgiving and just pretended like you didn't, <laughs> right? Yeah, like, <laughs> right? <clears throat> like your friend's like, oh, did you find a church in LA? You're like, yes, Calvary Chapel, Pasadena. <laughs> I love it, I love it, it's uh, super great. Because you know what? You know that it's gonna be uncomfortable, you know that it's gonna cost, and you know that it's gonna create some things. And the fav- my favorite, least favorite, but favorite question being asked recently is what's the alternative? So I'm saying all this stuff and I'm like, oh, I'm afraid to do these things or I don't know what this is gonna do and I can't take hurting people again and it was so hard to get over the first time and I don't know and blah, 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 blah. And then the question was, what's the alternative? Because what's the alternative? It's that we don't become the kind of people that bring life and prosperity because we want to keep people comfortable with us. And that tension gets so uncomfortable that we go to something else to try to pretend like like we don't feel it. And then convince ourselves that that is as effective as our own personal work. I can guarantee you it is not. So the alternative is shutting that off. And I was talking about this. I was like, I can't even believe, I. this is like such low-hanging fruit of analogy, but fine, I'm going to talk about butterflies. It's fine. I get it, they change. Okay, but go with me. Because I've been thinking about this a lot, of like, they're the best metaphor. They're these caterpillars, they go into cocoon, they come out, they're beautiful, everyone loves them, they like land on your finger, you cry, like it's so, it's so great. (laughs) It's like museums, even when they're dead, people like put them in cases and show them. It's a beautiful thing. And so I think about this in like the the realest way I have been struck by the story of butterflies recently because I realized the cocoon is darkness and you don't know what's happening and the change is uncomfortable and I don't know that that's the best feeling, right? And then you come out and your caterpillar friends are like, what? You know, and you're like, I don't know, you know, it's like super different, right? But the reality is, is like I have some friends from my conservative evangelical roots and I'm over here and I don't even know how to connect with them, and it is painful. They are looking at me as if I have changed so much, and I have changed so much, and I'm looking at them, and that distance and that gap between us actually hurts. It's actually sad, like it's painful, like I'm trying to figure out what it's like because I can't remember what it was like to be here. And the time in between was super dark. That was not like a, you know? (laughs) It was like a super dark thing that I had to experience and go through. So like all of this change and this evolution and becoming these people that we want to be to bring life and prosperity, to be present, to stay awake, is painful, it does cost, and it is hard. But what's the alternative? That we don't? That we stay exactly where we are? That we let whatever fill in the blank take the place and let us think we're being effective? I have a friend who, she's like really big into fitness. And she uh, always says, if you want to run a race, say you want to run a half marathon, right? And you're like, I want to run a half marathon, that you should start setting a rhythm of training and like preparing before you tell anyone that you want to do it. Because if I'm like at dinner with a bunch of people and I'm like, hey, I want to run a half marathon, and everyone's like, whoa, that's awesome. Now I feel just as gratified as if I won it from just like their praise, right? So I'm like, that is awesome, right? And like go about my day. And so she's super serious about this. She's like, don't get the uh, the gratification from saying it, start to build in the rhythms and then invite people in the process, right? 
which is the mirror that we have the ability to do on social media or the internet, right? It's like, I hate guns. What, what did we do, right? We got the gratification of like people liking the comment that we like, oh, no person is illegal, right? It's like, but well, what are we going to do in our communities with the fact that people see a human being as illegal? What are we going to do in our communities about the fact that there's more guns than people? What are we going to do in our community about the fact that X, Y, Z, you name it? We cannot give ourselves the cheap uh, gratitude of, of our words being, being liked, right? And I'm not even like, this isn't an anti, I love social media. I'm like, yeah, I love it all day, right? You make connections with people. Twitter has put the news in the hands of people. It changed the way we saw what happened in Egypt. It changed the way we saw what happened in Ferguson. There's like lesbians in Kansas that I get to connect to because of social media. I mean, it's beautiful, right? But we have to understand the way it's impacting us in a different way than it did the generation before. Like, no one gets to sit us down and is like, here's how to not numb out on social media. It's like, no, we're all experiencing for the first time. And I've just been really convicted with this, <clears throat> these moments that I have that start to get uncomfortable. And so I find the first thing that I can find to get that discomfort out, right? I take in any information about anyone else's life or anything else going on when really I need to sit with that and figure something out because no one's coming from a mountain, no one's coming on Instagram, no one's coming on Twitter and is going to tell me exactly how to live my life to do it right. You want that, you got to look inside. And we need more people to be looking inside. Romans 12, 2 is like the most overused scripture in the entire world. Um, but it's great, right? It says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Which I've heard a million times. But you want to be real honest? The pattern of the world that we live in now says don't do anything, respond to things. Don't be in control of anything, be controlled by things. Don't be intentional, be numb. And if you want to go against that and transform that and bring something different, it's going to take incredible intentionality. It's probably going to cost you. It's probably going to be a little painful and uncomfortable. But what's the alternative? We just become like everyone else, right? This isn't like a not of this world message, but it got a little not of this worldy there. I didn't, <laughs> didn't mean for that to happen. I haven't done that in a while. So I want to read this poem <clears throat> from Rumi. It goes like this. The breeze at dawn has secrets to tell you. Don't go back to sleep. You must ask for what you really want. Don't go back to sleep. People are going back and forth across the door sill where the two worlds touch. The door is round and open. Don't go back to sleep. I've been reading this every day this week, asking myself how I can stay awake. What does that mean? I don't have answers. I haven't arrived. I love what Travis said. It's, it, there's clouds. They come and go. So this isn't like some kind of destination that we get to, to be at. But it is our next step in maturity to say, how am I transforming the way I understand how to sit with myself how to choose life, how to choose prosperity, how to stay awake. Right? So you're going to get back with those same three or four people and answer this question, what is one thing you can do this week to stay awake? Enjoy.
Thanks for listening to the New Abbey podcast. For more information, visit us on the web at www.newabbey.org.